0: Welcome to the Abbey Talks podcast series with myself, Lisa Farley, and the Artistic Director of the Lyric Hammersmith and Director of Plough and the Stars, Mr Sean Holmes. I caught Sean before work resumed on the last day of previews and he spoke about arguing with Ireland, on-site and off-stage, fourth walls, outsiders, suspicious heroes and complicit audiences. Sean spoke about releasing the pressure, the action, the imagination, whilst remaining faithful to the strength of the play. We talked of homelessness, of Irishness, the limits of concepts, and the urgency of now. Enjoy this podcast. So welcome, Sean Holmes. Hello. Sean Holmes, Sean without a fada. You're in <laughs> a good company on that one. Uh, so in case you weren't aware, Sean, yeah. you're an Englishman directing The play on the Stars yes. on the stage of the National Theatre of Ireland in the centenary year of The Rising. How much uh, regard did you put on that
1: um, I think I was more nervous about not ner- I was a little bit nervous, and I was aware of it you 'd be foolish not to be aware of it, given the history between the two countries and the subject matter of the play at the same time i 'm at the same time I think it 's the sign of a mature a mature and pluralist society if it can allow somebody who was the enemy uh, to come and direct a national classic and you could argue, and I think this would probably be Fiak who runs the abbey 's argument that uh, sometimes an outsider coming in and bringing an eye on things that we all take for granted and showing us things, not showing, that sounds arrogant, I don't mean that, but bringing their own perspective on it, it might be interesting. And also, you know, my, my grandfather was Irish, I used to come over to Tipperary as a kid, like millions of English people, so, so, you know, I'm not pretending to be Irish or anything, but I'm not unaware of the history between the two countries.
0: Uh, and you're not entrenched in with preconceived notions. No, I've never either. seen. I've never seen mm. play
1: on the stars. On, I've seen some O'Casey before, but I've never seen play on the stars on stage. And I and I and I haven't got an idea. So I haven't got an idea in my head of how it's done.
0: That's very liberating. Yeah, yeah. but it has to be. Yeah. Um, in 2013, uh, when the lyric Hammersmith was being uh, redeveloped, and you're the artistic director mm. of that theatre, you presented a series of secret plays and. Mm. Um, shows that didn't publicly have a name, it seemed like it was called show one, two and three. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a, a book without prejudice mm-hmm. kind of theory behind that. Mm-hmm. So did you feel the weight of expectation on this one because that everyone, every school going child in Ireland ha- you know, has a notion mm-hmm. about playing the stage? No,
1: it's much more pressure doing shows that nobody comes to than doing a show that's sold out before it opens. Yeah. No, the thing is, I don't think there is any pressure. I, I mean, pressure is run in a building. Yeah, So this is a working holiday for me. And when I say that, I don't mean I haven't treat, taken it seriously, but this is much easier than my normal life and job. And I do feel the pressure, but of course, the more you do it, there's two things, one of which you realise what a brilliant play play on the stars is, and what an amazing writer he is. I think he's an amazing playwright in his understanding of the potential of the dramatic image. And I think that the thing is, I would argue, by releasing it from... Um, by wanting to release him as a writer in the 21st century context, to be loyal to the spirit of the play by not worrying about the letter of the play, felt very exciting. And secondly, obviously I've been here over this past six and a half weeks, the, uh, the discussions and articles and uh, rituals of 1916 have grown and grown and grown over that time and what's patently clear is everyone has a different opinion about 1916 and it's the perfect event to project your own political, uh, your own personal viewpoint onto, yeah? So if you're a committed socialist, you can read it like that. If you're a feminist, you can read it like that. If you're an ardent nationalist, you can read it like that. If you're a conservative, you can you can project that. What's brilliant is my opinion on 1916 is irrelevant because I'm, I'm, I'm presenting John O'Casey's play. But what I think is, and what O'Casey is reacting to is easy pieties and mythologizing. So he's the important thing about uh, Play on the Stars is it's as much about 1926 as it's about 1916, and it's an argument with Ireland. And I think our job is to find a way for it to still be an argument with Ireland in 2016, where there's still children living in poverty, where there's still problems with alcohol, where there's still a confusion around what nationalism might mean, where there's still a complicated relationship with a larger neighbor, where. Et cetera, where economic mm-hmm. inequality is still vividly present, you know, in the outside, in the streets of this theatre, outside this theatre. So I think you know, there's a lot that O'Casey would still recognise, even if the, even if the particular conditions have changed. There's still, in terms of a societal issue, there are a lot of those things that are still with us.
0: So obviously you're you're kind of at the epicentre of it all, and you you obviously have done your homework and research. But how is it, how easy then is it to shirk all that research? And just get on with the the work. Well, the thing is, is is, it's much
1: easier. If you're doing a good play, he's done the work for you, and your primary research is the play. Your 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 source material is the play. Now, obviously, and in fact, to be honest with you, normally I don't do any research on a play. I'm really uninterested in the period. The the difference being with this play. No, let me put that another way, because that sounds lazy. It's not that. I'm suspicious of an obsession with the period. When I did Save by Edward Bond, which is set in 1967, he said to me, the period is the least interesting thing about this play. And I think that is, the, that is what you should do as a, making a contemporary piece of work. You have to find the way to get to what is urgent now in the play. Now, obviously it also takes place during the events of 1915, and 1916, and you really need to be in charge of those. So I came over in June and I did walking tours and I met historians and I've read books. And I've said, you know, so I feel, you know, I'm no expert, but I feel that I've got the, the the background of the events. And then what you do is you forget that you know that, and things bubble up that are important, and things. But also there's a whole, you know, there's another 90 years of history in between. Then so there's also things like the troubles. There's the current economic situation. There's, and what you're always looking for is images that will un, stage images that will remain true in spirit to OKC, but maybe aren't aren't in the period. Will then unlock moments for audiences.
0: Well, talking about that unlocking of moments, um, I was lucky enough to get in on the first preview um, before the curtain even was raised and with the first breath of the play, uh, and as the curtain rises you realise you're, you're not in Kansas anymore, so where are you?
1: We're in a world of theatre, where we present an image. They're not real, they're not the characters, Yeah, <laughs> they're act, actors presenting those characters. And what's really important, I think, is that the actors and the audience are in the same room. And that the debate in the play and the life of the play and the energy of the play is in relationship between those 500 people in the auditorium and the the actors. And that first image you talk about is a direct challenge to the audience and their preconceptions. It's a phrase I use quite a lot, we're not in Kansas anymore and then the second image is the same, and then in, what's funny is then O'Casey kind of breaks out within an unexpected world, and sometimes with the audience they may take a little while to come round to it, but so far what's felt really exciting is actually, and I really, I'm sure some people will really take exception with it, but I think, or we have made, not I, we have made the play urgent and contemporary, while still being absolutely of, of itself.
0: It seems faithful to the text, it, yeah. it doesn't seem as if you've made that many cuts and it it sounds to me that you've just stripped it back to its meaning and there's a freshness to it, which is extraordinary considering how many times I've seen it. I feel as if I'm hearing it for the first time. Well I
1: think the other thing is the company feel very contemporary, you know, the choice of Kate and Ian for example as, as Jack and Nora and just to release the actors from the pressure playing Jack and Nora on the Abbey stage for God's sake, you know, mm-hmm. it's like because Jack and Nora don't know they're Jack and Nora, you know, they're just ordinary people in extraordinary circumstances who happen to have lines written by O'Casey. And that's a really great place to be. And if you can release the actor from that, you can see and you give them stuff, to, you find ways to present it as, as we do in that scene when you know what I mean. Um, for me, you believe, in their lo- you believe in this complicated relationship. Because it's very sexual, it's very loving, it's very tempestuous, and it's poisoned by the, by, by the politics and the social system that they live in. And both characters are fundamentalists in their own way.
0: Talk more about that.
1: How well, does she's Nora? well. is she, well, a fundamentalist as well, isn't she? I don't care what the other women do. I don't care about that. I want. She's you know she's not meeting him halfway. You know she's. I, I admire her fundamentalism, but it's equally scary. I'm really suspicious of heroes or heroines. And really. I, yeah. I, Some would I, say
0: I, that I, I think it was Niall Boogie, and he was last with us in in. Mm. Um, you never can tell. He yeah. was saying that there's no heroes in O'Casey but plenty of heroines. Mm.
1: I think it's right, I think it's right to a degree but if they are heroines they're human and flawed and complicated and if I go into a play thinking this character is the heroine of the play, I've um, messed out. up.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, you speak of making theatre that's bolder and better and broader and theatre that will change you. So when you hire Sean Holmes, uh, that's the manifesto that's going to be put to the test though. <laughs> how do you, how you talk about serving the vision of the playwright, but then how do you serve your own vision?
1: Well, the thing is, I think what's happened over the, it's very difficult, right, it's very difficult because of course I'm completely capable of doing really terrible work like anybody is. Um, all I would say is as an artist, I was very lucky when the Lyric was redeveloping a few years ago and we had the secret theatre project for two years with a permanent ensemble of actors. and the the kind of economic pressure of the box office was less pronounced because we didn't have the space in which to do it. So we had a sort of stripped-back organisation for nearly two years. A side product of that was basically I went to director camp for two years, which is very rare to do when you're in your mid-40s. But it's also a really good thing to do when you're in your mid-40s because I bring to it a certain level of experience and knowledge and way of working possibly, but with an awareness that also that I was limited, there were limitations in my capacity uh, to approach text, to approach, no, to conceptually approach plays, because before I'd always been nervous of conceptualising, so let me contextualise my conceptualising, <laughs> what I'm wary of, of is let's set a play in a mental asylum, or let's put this play, you know, let's set... Um, I have done this in the past, but I'm increasingly wary of, you know, let's take this play and we'll set it in this world. Because I think what you do, is if it's a good play, is if you set, I don't know, Macbeth in the First World War, it will help you to start with because it will give you ideas, but then you'll hit your head against the limits of your own concept. Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? Yeah. Because the play is greater than the concept. But what is important is to work dramaturgically and metaphorically to find a language in which you can release the play. Edward Bond says a really good thing he says he talks about the Elizabethans and the Greeks the two of the times when theatre was most urgent and, and, and at its best you could argue and he said they, ha- they had a site, not a set that the action took place in a site where the audience could receive the presentation of behaviour and, and it wasn't set by a design and I would argue with our set that it's a site <laughs> and if you think about when you saw it that that, that by removing elements that make it real, and by being aware that on one level the actors are presenting, it, it, it is able to be more honest. Because there's the contract between the audience is, we are presenting this play for you. And this is what we believe, and this is what we hold to be true, and this is what we're committing to. But we all know, we're not trying to pretend to you this is real. And I don't think O'Casey was ever naturalism. You know, look at the next play he writes. Mm. And, you know, and I think in this you can find the expression, you can f- see the radicalism of the, of, of the writer as an artist as well as, his, as well as politically.
0: And that's how you would argue the case for, I say, OKC purists who come in, I suppose, well, for the Dublin trilogy, I suppose, who would expect it to yeah. have that... and book. the thing
1: is, the other thing to say is, maybe what I've done is terrible, right? Maybe what I've done is a desecration of an Irish classic. Maybe it's awful, but play you'll be done in three years time and that's fine the thing is that's also fine because the play is stronger than anything I can do to it and I'm not trying to do something to it I'm trying to try and do something with it and that's why I could argue with anyone that I've released the action of the play I feel very confident about that I haven't done anything to the play I've, I've as you say I haven't I haven't massively cut it I haven't done you know I've've I've done there's some cuts but there some of the cuts are from the original the cuts the same cuts as were in the original production in 26. It's just a way to release the imagination of all of us and to, there, to, to have made the show, to therefore release the uh, audience's imagination.
0: What were your first instincts, say, when you were invited to do this? And, and, and did that change over, I suppose, the process? Of... Yeah, no,
1: it's changed I, I knew that I didn't want to do it. I knew I wanted to find, no, I knew I needed to find a way to make the play contemporary and urgent for me. And it had to speak to Ireland now as well as Ireland then. And you know the thing is, and I, you know, I might get in trouble for this, but there's an, the, and you know, I live in a country that's full of political and social inequality. You know, I'm not, I'm not speaking from a position of of, of superiority as, as well, but just on a really simple level, T, the amount of homelessness in this city. It's, you know, I, I
0: more so than London.
1: It's much more so, or, or much more visible. I mean, you know, you know maybe I think the visibleness. The, 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 the reminds me of London in the early 90s when I first came to London. When we were off the back of Thatcherism and, you know, you'd walk down Kingsway and in every doorway there'd be a homeless person. Or you couldn't go through the Bull ring in the near Waterloo because it was basically a, a cardboard city. And though the p- homelessness and, hu- and the whole issue of home- housing is really a problem in London as well, the, the, the prevalence of this you know, and just watching the news, you know, I know homelessness in its broadest sense, in terms of temporary housing, is is really pronounced as well, and that's really, you know, it's very shocking. It's very shocking, and it is very different to London. I have to say, I have to say that, and and and, I think. There's things in the play, you know. There's not, you know. One of the really important things in the play is Moles. There. There's a child who's dying of TB that everyone ignores. Nobody pays her any attention, and, you know. I know living in the city, I walk past homeless people every day and don't pay them attention. Because, because what can you do as an individual to give them you become desensitised. But what's interesting is doing this play and in the last few days I've become really unsensitized. I've become really undesensitized. I've become sensitised, okay, so <laughs> I'm, now, I'm now to... like really angry about it, maybe because I've been here longer now and because I'm doing this play and I'm like, this is really bad. This is really bad, and all these kids on drugs, and it's like really bad. And I think O'Casey would be really angry about it. And yep. it's not. And it's not. You know, my play, our production. There's no dra- drug addicts or homeless people in our in our production. But there's something in that first act about that has a feel of temporary housing that I think will feel contempt. You know, I think there's just something where it speaks to the economic pressures people are under. I think it would be fair to say.
0: Talk to me about your casting choices. And. Um, it, it's a young it's a much younger cast than I would have predicted it's uh, mix, mixed mm. ethnicity mm. Uh, so yeah talk to me about and well I think it gives
1: us an idea about who's Irish isn't it you know I th- you know I live in I live in one of the most multicultural diverse cities in the world um, I also used to come to Ireland so I'm aware that this was one of the most monocultural places in the world till very recently um, and obviously, a country with a massive history of emigration, in which I'm a, an indirect, product of as those millions of other British people of Irish descent, um, but I thought it was really important to you know it's really noticeable now, especially in the city of Dublin, the, the relative diversity of that compared to even twenty years ago, and. Um, uh, and I think that, you know, what I admire about Ireland and, uh, and jealous in some ways is much easier to be proud of being Irish than it is of being British because you didn't oppress half the world, you know. And, and you know, it's not, not to be unthinkingly so, but there are elements of that uh, nationalism, let's call it, or pride in country, which are really, really great, you know, really positive, you know, not to have that... that uh, Conflict about that, but also there are other elements of it. You know, the the the, the collapse of the influence of the church, you, you know, which has been extraordinary from my in my lifetime of coming here on and off, is just amazing. You know, the same-sex marriage referendum, um, the continued corruption in politics. You know, but but if you're asked to do, okay, I suppose what I'm saying is right. If I'm asked to do this play at this time. In Dublin and Ireland now, it would be remiss of me not to engage in the political situation here, in the in the pressures on society here, wouldn't it? And Absolutely. it would be, and also, of course, I'm doing it with a group of Irish actors who are uh, and who are committed and passionate and live in this country, most of them, and have really strong opinions about it. So it's not like I could make them do something that they wouldn't want to do anyway, you know.
0: What do you expect the outcome of this to be? What, what do you want to achieve with this production?
1: I want to be loyal to the spirit of Ocasey first and foremost. I want, what I would love is people to go, I, my favorite thing would be go for about 10 minutes, I thought, oh, I'm not sure about this, and then go, oh my God, yes, that's the play. God is a good writer. That's the really important thing. And that, and that people's, people are stirred and challenged and provoked by it. And then to, ta- it's also important to say, also, hopefully, they have a really good time, because it's really funny, a lot of it, you know.
0: I actually think you have right. achieved a freshness that I hadn't seen before.
1: Oh, well, thank you. And I think that's what I, what, that's what I wanted to do, you know, to make it live. And I'm influence. There's a German director called Sebastian Neublin who I've worked with. And what I love about Sebastian, he worked a lot with Simon Stevens' plays, is he doesn't care at all about the letter of a play, right? He's much more radical than me. In terms of his approach to the text, he'd cut loads of it, reorder it. Too. But what he does, he's, he's been the big influence on me because he releases to the nth degree the spirit of the play, the, the gesture at the heart of the play of what the writer is trying to do. And I suppose what I'm, tra- what I'm doing in my, uh, my way is drawing on the kind of British and Irish tradition of psychological realism, narrative clarity, which is what I grew up with where I think where our two theatre cultures do share a lot of similarities. And then applying a kind of dramaturg, trying to apply a kind of dramaturgical rigor that I would associate with a more European way of working about image and structure and whatever, because everything on that stage has meaning. If you don't do, like there's nothing on that stage that doesn't have a meaning. There's no dressing in the room. You know, there's nothing, Mm. there's nothing extraneous. So everything that is brought on stage becomes a character in the play.
0: Well, I, I, I jumped into the theatre, into the auditorium last week, and you were making um, sweeping changes. This is maybe after the f- first or second mm-hmm. preview. Um, you're not afraid of, of making changes right up to opening night? No.
1: And what's interesting, I think the actors, because actors can sometimes be resistant to that, but because the actors feel engaged and have ownership and also know that that's where we're going and it's, it's right, <laughs> mm-hmm. because I, I think it's also you have to in previews. You know, that's the time where you see it. And it is to do with audience reaction, but it's less to do with, oh, they're not laughing at that bit. It's more to do with, like, what is the... We're not delivering... You know, you think, no, we're not delivering that image. And mm. We're not delivering that. Because plays are about... They're not about words, even an O'Casey play on some level. It's not about what people say. It's about what they want and what they do to get it. And I think that's what you need to do. And he's brilliant at putting a society on stage, and that's the thing that you always want to be working at.
0: Why do you direct? What do you get out of it?
1: Oh, I love it. I love it. I I think it's being in the imagination of a great artist for six or seven weeks. So if you're in a Sarah Kane's head or Shakespeare's head or O'Casey's head, you know, there's only been a handful of people like that in the history of the world and you get to go there for a bit, you know, and work out what it is thereafter. I also like that it's, I think I'm not really good at being on my own, uh, and I think I'm, I'm not, I like working stuff out, I like the company of people, I like collective endeavour, I like the, it's not a be false to say it's democracy. <laughs> No, I think there's a mixture of real precision, but also a freedom, you know, that the actors, you know, a lot of the show is very precise and it has to be done like this because that is what we're trying to achieve. But I think within that framework, the actors, I hope, and I would think, feel very free to play within it, if that makes sense. It's like, you know what the rules are, you know what your task is, and then you can, as long as you're delivering that with the utmost sincerity and commitment, you can then play within that, if that makes sense.
0: Well, I saw how the actors, and I was only in there for a few minutes. I, sometimes I just go in there to remind myself mm. that I work in a mm. theatre. Yeah. But the choices that you were asking, or the choices that you made, and you were a- asking the actors t- to roll with, mm. they were just so clear and they made sense. We were, I was talking about Act Four and the yeah. levels that were in use there, and there was yeah. you re-blocked maybe entrances and exits, and there was something else going on on stage yeah. right. Yeah. But even to me, you know, who just strolled in, mm. um, it was right. Mm. You know, I just instinctually, I knew they the Well, the thing were we were, were right doing decisions. in Act
1: 4 is we make this big sort of set, set, set design decision. And then we were playing, like, weirdly after not doing it. We were then playing this, on the night Used to it, mm. we were playing this weird fourth wall thing. Suddenly, within this kind of abstract setting, we were doing this weird, like, proper acting thing. And I was just smashing that, basically. At a distance, yeah. as well. Yeah, and the thing is that what you want to play is... It's the conversations with the audience on quite a profound level, because we're all then complicit in the events that are going, we are Dublin, we are Ireland. Yeah, you, you very know, much you know, feel like yeah, that as an as a yeah. audience member. So then you have to read, so what it makes you do as an audience member is you have to read the action on stage. Yeah? yeah? If I'm doing a different show, so if I'm doing Bugsy Malone, I want, there's moments where I want everyone to just go, yeah, you know, and that's great, or a panto, you know, it's lovely, I love that. And there's moments in this where you want a collective response, but there's a lot in this where you go, Oh, what I want is an image on stage, which you have to read. Why is that? Why have they done? Oh, God, that's that. Does that make that? And it triggers a whole series of, you know, there's an. Like Eileen came up with a great thing. I don't know if she did it in the first book. I think she did, where she waves a white plastic bag. Yes. And, and it immediately takes you to Bloody Sunday. Yes. And that, and that iconic image. Yeah. And, you know, what's brilliant is she did that. Mm-hmm. I mean, like any rehearsals, a rehearsal yeah. full of actors having good ideas, you know, there's nothing special <laughs> to my idea, but but, the, but the, what I loved about that is it was also so much a synthesis of what we're doing, which is using an image, subtly, mm-hmm. that also is absolutely that image we're all familiar with, of that priest um, with those handkerchiefs, yes, yeah. trying to get the dead body, or the injured body. Spoke to you immediately. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah. And that's the history. And that's what you're going into in Act Four because that's where the British soldiers are coming. So do you see what I'm saying? Yes, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. You talk about uh, not enjoying, I suppose, uh, being here on your own. How how do you occupy yourself in the six weeks?
1: Oh no, I love being here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, you love. Sorry, but you like the collective company. Yes, of, no, of
1: a no, When I say I'm not very good on that, <laughs> yes, no, no. Sorry, I, mi- I really miss my family. I miss my family a lot, though. Though you know, in the early times of rehearsal, I can knit back at the weekends, and they came out for a weekend as well. It's. Um, I obviously miss my day job at the Lyric. I think they'll all be very pleased to see me and are gonna make me pay for it over the next couple of months. So I don't think I'll have much time off. Um, But but no, but what I like is the, um, I I like the city a lot. I mean, it's a massive cliche, but it is also really true that it's a friendly city. And I think that that relative ease between people is something I really like. I, I think the actors are really good in Ireland again it sort of sounds like a cliche, but I think what's interesting is you know a lot of this company are young, but a lot of them are really familiar with the Abbey stage, so there's just a confidence and a kind of size of performance. That sounds like the wrong word aside, but there's sort of a boldness in performance that you—it's less easy to get in London where people are used to working a whole host of stages, often not as big as this.
0: When you're walking around the city, and um is playing the stars always in your head? Is it all consuming over the weeks that you're uh, here?
1: It's always in some, it, it always is to some degree bubbling away, you know, just in a little way. And you do sometimes see, I mean, it's a cliche, but you do sometimes see people and think, Jesus, that's Pluto or. Oh, there's uh, so yeah, many yeah, 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 though. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's yeah. so but many yeah. But it's fluthers. to do with, because I think one of my approaches to the play is about performance, and I think one of the things that is exploring is that a, a very particular Irish response to oppression and to poverty is to perform. You know the number of characters in the play who speak about themselves in the third person, and the number of people in the play who wear a uniform. And our production, the sort like of, the language of the production is very much the people who are wearing costume, not clothes. I think you'll be aware of that. The people are defined by their costuming or how they change from one costume to another. And I think that that's uh, that's, a, that's an element I feel very pleased with, and the, the work that Catherine's done on uh, Catherine Fay has done on the costumes. It feels that that. It feels quite, we feel quite in charge of that gesture.
0: Mm. Mm. How, what's been the most challenging aspect of this production?
1: There's one technical aspect that has been quite challenging, uh, but I think the challenges were worth it for the moment.
0: What have you learned from it?
1: I've learned what a good writer he is. What a great writer he is. I've also learned on a personal level that I think this has been a real synthesis for me of a lot of things that have happened over the last three or four years. Uh, of secret theatre, of doing drum belly, of learning of the influence of Three Kingdoms, and working with Sebastian, and and I feel, I feel, I really feel, like any show you always feel could be better, of course, and you, but what I feel is, we have delivered what we want to deliver.
0: What's the measure of that of a successful production? That was one of my final I questions. I think it's
1: that belief, and and you know it could go anyway. like you could have a critical response that hates it right yeah. will
0: you listen to that uh, you're always aware
1: of it and you want to sort of punch them on the nose for a day and then you forget about it but, but but the real truth is you know when something is touching an audience right you know you know and you know when it isn't and you know on that so on that first night though there was loads of work to do you knew this was speaking to people and the right people and there were loves, you know and that's it and you can't fake that and I'd stand by that as well and, and I think, it's really, it's really difficult because I really worry about saying, well, I am sounding a bit arrogant and hope not, but I think you have to have a sort of confidence in what you're doing and a humility because, I'm, because I'm, I hope that I'm still, it's about the play. I know that some people will think I've been this arrogant so and so and come in and done something to a play. Yeah.
0: Why, why, why are you attaching arrogance to it?
1: Because I think, you better, well, maybe that's the way to avoid being arrogant, is to question if you're being arrogant. <laughs> <laughs> True. But also it's an interesting word, isn't it? Because I think there is an element as an artist, and I think I've learned that over the last three or four years. I think I used to be too, too respectful of a play. I think there's lots of things that we do where we worry about the full start or the question. I think that tradition is, has to be questioned, because I think there's a way to be respectful of the play by, by being disrespectfully respectful. And, and it's about having the confidence in yourself that you're me in the playwright. And that they're no longer the primary artist, but they are the primary gesture. And, but you all have to be at the top of your game to deliver that gesture.
0: Do you think over the last few years then you've upped your game? This is I, do, do you know what, it's
1: a funny question. I, I would think I have. I think I'm a... I think... I think I didn't challenge myself enough. I think I didn't push myself enough. I think the exposure of secret theatre and uh, and it was really hard. And we did some work that wasn't good. And we were made all these statements where everyone hated us because we were like, you know, but we did some But we did do something that was quite important and that challenged ideas, pre- preconceived ideas of how you make work. And it and it was political with a small p. You know, it was. It was an attempt to recognise that the structures of theatre don't necessarily deliver what the audience need us to deliver, and then and that's in representation around gender and ethnicity and and uh, disability. Um, it's about who's making the work. It's about class. You know, and I think it's really—I just really—you have to take responsibility for this. And I think then that's why Feek asked me to do this because he's taking responsibility for doing this play at this time. Is he doesn't want it to be a museum piece. He does—he wants it to be uh, an argument with Ireland now, as the play was then, and continues to be. That's what good plays are. That's why we still do them.
0: Well, I'm going to let you go downstairs and and continue the argument, Sean. Bless you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank
1: Thank you. Thank you.